Hallelujah. Well, man, I, I love the church. How many of you guys just love the church? We get to just partake together, be with one another. And for the last several weeks, we've been in a series called The Great, the, the Great Comeback. I do believe that we are in the greatest comeback the church is in the history that we've ever seen. There's been some stuff over the last year, right? that has really kind of diminished us, hurt us, pushed us back a little bit. But I believe that God has reset so we can refocus, so we can rebuild. And I believe that we're about ready to rebuild in a very powerful way to see that we are rebuilding now to see God move in a way that we've never seen before. So just to kind of rehash the last few weeks that we've been going through this series, The Great Comeback, uh, the, first, the first week we talked about I Am The Church. Does anybody remember that? Good, I hope you do. If not, we do have a podcast available, video and audio. You can always download that on our website. But um, we, co- we call it I Am The Church because I believe that you are God's agent here on earth. You are God's agent in the kingdom of heaven. That's what it means when we say that I am the church. Nowhere in scripture will you ever see that I am the church, but you will see that you are an agent of the kingdom of heaven. So everywhere you go, everywhere you go, people are affected by the kingdom of God. Everywhere you go, you're God's agent. I grew up in church and I remember people saying this all the time. I go to camps or conferences as a youth And they would say, we're going to go win the world for Jesus. And I'd be like, no, God, I don't want to go to Africa. I don't want to go to China. I don't want to go. Now, some people are called there. And I think that's awesome. Mark Jones is called to Africa. And I think it's beautiful, right? What we're really saying is this, that God wants to save the world. The world is simply the six feet around you. Everything that you come in contact with is your world. And God wants to use you to be an agent of the kingdom of heaven to express his love, to empower people with his spirit, and to see the things that God did here on earth, on this planet, right through you. Right through you. Then we talked about, we are the church. We talked about local church and how important local church is. How many of you just agree, if you don't, you can say it, that local church is important? Yeah. Local church is important. And I am talking about the four walls of this church. I am talking about brick and mortar. I am talking about the floor that you're standing on. I am talking about the seats that you're sitting in. Local church is important to a community. Here's why. When we have local church, right, it does a few things. Number one, we get to come and be edified. We get to come and sit under the word of God and be edified in our hearts. The other thing is, when you are a part of a local church in a community like this, right, you then get to edify the church with your gifts, with your talents, with your purpose, with the call of God on your life. Every single person here has a place to belong right here at this church, in this local body. also commanded by God to meet together as a local church. Don't forsake the assembly of meeting together, the Bible says. See, today we're going to talk about the global church, where God is directing us as a church. See, we have the I am the church, we have the we are the church, but then there is the church that a lot of the times, if we don't look past the six feet that we're in, we forget that there's actually something bigger going on than what's in front of us. We forget that there's literally people right now underground in Iran meeting in a church in the basement of homes. In the, in the most heavily 
populated places of Muslim religion, there's churches and Christians coming to know who Jesus Christ is. God is moving in our world. Despite what's going on, despite what's happening, despite what it looks like on the outside, I'm here to tell you, God is not concerned nor is he driven by what's going on in our culture. He is the leader, he is the director, he is the lion, the tribe of Judah, and he is moving. And he's moving. God's up to something. I just want to be a part of it, amen? I just want to be a part of what he's doing. To really talk about and really get a good, good meat of what I believe God is doing, we have to go back in time to John the Baptist. So if you can in your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 11. If you don't have it, it'll be on the screen behind me. But I encourage you to bring your paper Bibles. Not like a good paper Bible, right? You can smell it. Matthew chapter 11, verse 11 through 12, it says this. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has not arisen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Now this is Jesus talking, okay? He's talking about John the Baptist. He's describing and defining who John the Baptist is. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been treated violently and violent men take it by force. Now, I've often wondered what that meant. I've often thought there's all kinds of interpretations of what the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violence taken by force. One interpretation is there's a lot of bad things going on and, and people are trying to hush the church down, but the violent men of God are taking it by force. I like to propose to you that that's not actually what this verse means. There's no violence amongst Christians, amen? At least there shouldn't be, <laughs> all right? <laughs> we need to represent Christ well because I'm a true believer and I've said it every week since I started this that everyone wants a king like Jesus. The reality is, and the question is, how are we representing that king to the world, to our surrounding, to the people we come in contact with? So the kingdom of God suffered violence and the violence taken by force. So let's talk about the context of this scripture. And here's what this means. And this is why it's important. John the Baptist, at this time, has had this gigantic following, huge following of people. You guys tracking with me? Just use the picture in your mind of what this might look like. There's John the Baptist, and every day people were coming by the droves to come and hear and be baptized by John the Baptist. He's, he's dunking people in the river, right? He's pulling them out, boom, left and right. Sounds like a revival to me, right? Sounds like a revival to me. John the Baptist then says to the people, there is coming somebody that is much greater than me whose laces I'm not even worthy to untie. So John the Baptist's purpose here on earth was not just to baptize people, not just to, not just to um, win people to Jesus, not just to teach, but was to prepare the way of the Lord. To prepare the way of the Lord. And this is key to the understanding that Jesus' statement that the kingdom of God suffers violence, pointing to the huge crowds that follow John, and now these people are following Jesus. So I want you to picture the big crowds of people that are right by the river, right right there, here in walks Jesus. Jesus says, I must be baptized. John says, oh man, I'm not, I can't do that. You're, you're the one, you're the Messiah. Jesus says, no, John, it has to be fulfilled. I must be baptized. John says, okay, with all nervousness in his body, Jesus walks into the water, then gets baptized. After he came out of the water, 
There was Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came upon Jesus on that day. The clouds opened up and a voice said, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. Can you imagine being on the riverside, watching this all transpire and happen? You hear a voice and there's nobody there, but you hear it. This is my son whom I'm well pleased. Then the Holy Spirit came and rested, a dove, signifying the Holy Spirit came and rested on the shoulder of Jesus Christ. Signifying that the Holy Spirit was there upon him. See, I'm a firm believer that I am filled with the Holy Spirit for my edification, but I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit for your benefit. Same goes with you. The Holy Spirit's in you for you and your benefit, but the Holy Spirit's on you for others. So here's this big crowd following after Jesus and after John the Baptist. And Jesus likens this crowd to an invading army surrounding a city to capture it. This is where we get the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Jesus uses these descriptive words to, to, to describe what it's like of so many people that are pressing in to hear, to see, to encounter Jesus. He says, the kingdom of God. There's so many people that are pressing in to where God wants, to where he is, to where Jesus is. He likens them to an army pressing in to siege a city. This is where we get the context of the scripture because the word suffereth, violence, literally means excitement, engagement, and eagerness. So if we can bring it on down and not use the word violent, this is what it says. For the kingdom of God is suffering such eagerness and such excitement, right, that the excited and the eager people take it by force. That's what this means. And this is how John, the, this is how Jesus sets up this scenario of the move of God in that time. He, before he started his ministry, he's saying, look at all these people. They're so eager and excited and they want a revelation from God. They're ready to meet the Messiah. So he says, the kingdom of God, it is suffering. It is like so many people that are so excited that they're ready to take the city. And this is our definition of what's happening globally around the world today. The church is experiencing such a move that people are so excited to see, to hear, to feel, to encounter what God is doing. They're so eager and excited, but the real question is this, how eager and excited are you? How excited are you that the king is alive in you? Has your walk and your relationship with the Lord turned into some mundane drone where you just get up in the morning? Here we go again. I hope I make it. I hope I don't sin. I hope I don't fail today. Or do you wake up in the morning going, the king of kings is alive inside of me and nothing's gonna stop me right now, baby. Nothing. How eager are you to be in a relationship with him? What are the things that keep you away from that relationship? Here's what I mean. Do you guys remember the story in the Bible where there's a group of friends who had a sick, who had a sick buddy, right? He was lame. 
And they went, hey, I heard Jesus is in town and he's in this house. So they went to the house and they go, whoa, there's a lot of eager and excited people here. See, when Jesus is alive inside of the house, people will come from everywhere. Come on, somebody. A church that's alive is worth the drive, is what they say. They come from everywhere. So they get to the place and they're like, man, we can't get in. How are we going to do this? So one guy goes, I got it. Let me go in the back of my truck. Let me get my tools out. We're going to cut a hole in the roof. Okay? And then we're going we're gonna to drop old Johnny boy in through the hole in the roof. Okay? And then, and then he's going to get healed because we believe, because we're so excited because we know that Jesus can heal, we believe that the mere look of the king can heal him. Right? <clears throat> so here's Jesus sitting in there praying for people, teaching. And all of a sudden he hears, and he looks up in the sky and dust is falling on his face. Can you imagine that? And he goes, what is going on? What is happening with this? What's going on? He goes, that's where he got that verse, take the speck out of your own eye before you. <laughs> I'm just teasing. <laughs> so he looks up and there's, there's a guy coming down from the ceiling. Jesus says, greater faith have I never seen before than this. Pick up your mat and walk. He didn't even get prayed for. Jesus didn't even let, he just said, pick up your mat and walk. It's already finished. Let me just propose something to you this morning that the healing that you need is already finished in heaven. It's already done. It's already taken place. It's already accomplished because the cross of Christ said so. Because Jesus said so. We are not about just to talk in theory how miracles happen. We want to see the action of those things take place. And until that happens, we will pursue. We will move forward in him. And Jesus likens this to that story that the kingdom of God has so many people excited, so many people enthralled, so many people eager to get a touch from him that they're pressing, they're doing everything right now. See, the things that we don't hear about, make no mistake about it, it is happening across this world. People, <laughs> literally, when we had a missionary here not too long ago, right, and he's, he's, in, he's in, in, in India right now, he's in India, he began to tell us stories of things happening in Egypt where literally people, Jesus is showing up in Muslims' dreams, having an encounter with them, waking up going, I give my life to Jesus, he is the way, truth, and the life. God is doing it because it's his will. It's his will. I think sometimes here in America, we just kind of forget because we want to try to figure it out. We try to be analytical about Christ rather than having faith with him. See, when we talk about the church, what he's doing and where he's going, God moves in waves. It's kind of like a river. He flows, ebbs and flows, ups and downs. There's all these kinds of things. And in the river, I'm sure there's, there's good benefits to what I'm about to say, but I'm going to talk about the negative benefits right now of this. You can be a rock in the middle of the river and resist what God wants to do. You'll be smoothing out by it for sure. And eventually you'll get going, right? But it still means you're in the river. God loves you. He loves you. But me, myself, and I, I, in my household, I want to be somebody who flows with the river, who moves with him. I want to keep step as the spirit leads me. 
no matter what that looks like, no matter what's on the other end of that. I wanna have faith and I wanna move forward with that. You see, I've got pastor friends in the United States all over, you know, and I can not talk to them for about six months, literally, and then call them. And it's, have you ever have, you got those friends before where you call somebody like you haven't talked to them forever and it's like you just pick up right where you left off, right? I can call them and before you know it, we're talking about the same things that God's doing in our lives and what God's doing in our churches. Why? Because we're following the river. See, God's having a conversation with this church. The, the question is, are we listening to what he's saying? Right? He's having a conversation with the body of Christ right now across this world. And I believe that unity in the church happens when we listen to his voice and when we obey his voice. Right? When we listen and obey. And so here we are. We get to talking. It's like, God's doing this, man. God's doing that. What are you doing with your church? Oh, man, we're doing this. Me too, what you say. Us too. We're doing the same exact thing. Yeah, because God's talking to us. God's talking to his church. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, but we all with unveiled faces, Keith references today, looking as in the mirror at the glory of the Lord are being transformed in the same image from glory to glory. Someone say glory to glory. Just as from the Lord, the spirit. We're moving with him. We're being transformed. What was yesterday is not today. What was six months ago is not today. What was a year ago is not right now. We are being transformed. The church is being transformed from what was to what God wants it and then beyond where we're going. We're in a continual process of moving in him. And let me tell you, if we find ourselves thinking, believing what happened six years ago, we need to repent and come to the place where God wants us right now. We have to. We got to get there. So God brings the church in and through the certain things to teach, to empower, and to reveal who he is in the seasons and the movements that we're currently in. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, we've camped in Corinthians, 1 and 2 Corinthians this last few weeks. But 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 14 through 21 says this, I do not write these things to shame you, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For if you were to have countless tutors in Christ, in other words, for tutors there, another de uh, definition for that is teachers. If we were to have teachers in Christ, yet you would not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Verse 16, therefore I urge you, be imitators of me. For this reason I have sent you to Timothy, who is my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, and he will remind you of my ways, which are in Christ. Just as I teach everywhere in the church, now some have become arrogant, the definition for that word arrogant there in the Greek is called puffed up. Now I'll become puffed up as though I were not coming to you, but I will come to you soon if the Lord wills and I shall find out. Not the words of those who are arrogant, but their power. For the kingdom of God is not in words, but in power. See, I believe that God is moving three ways. The next phase for the church globally where we're going, it's wrapped up in these few verses. Number one, I believe there's gonna be a movement of fatherhood. A movement of fatherhood. See, for a long time, we've had teachers in the church. We've had many people teach us the theories, the ideas, the principles in the word of God, which those are all very great. But have you ever heard the phrase, knowledge is power? I like to combat that and propose to you that applied knowledge is actually power. Right. 
So you can know all you want to, but until you apply what you know, you'll never see the outcome of what you're applying. You see what I'm saying? And so what happens is we got a lot of teachers who are teaching, they're super smart, right? But there's no power in what they're doing. Why? Because God wants to raise up fathers, not just teachers. Not just teachers. Let me just speak real quick to the men. This isn't a Father's Day's message. Your day is coming. Trust me, we'll have fun. But because I am a man and I am a father, let me just speak to the guys who have children and who are fathers here, literal physical fathers. Your children are counting on you. My children, my Samuel Zachary Wallace, my Caleb Andrew Wallace, they're counting on me to show them what it's like to be a believer in Christ. Here's why, there's a battle for your child. There's a battle for your son. There's a battle for your daughter. There's a battle for your children. And I'm not gonna allow the world to win my kids over. It ain't gonna happen, not on my watch. Not on my watch. I want to be the kind of father who is going to lead. See, what we see a lot of the times in the history of church is we see the, the wife and the woman coming first and going, yes, I just wish my husband would come. Now, now listen, I understand that. I'm not bashing that at all. Please understand my heart in this. But there's just something too when men begin to take the reins and lead the household. When they begin to take the reins and they say, this is the direction we're going. But let me tell you what a man isn't. A man isn't arrogant. A man isn't prideful. A man isn't someone out there all macho, right? Oh yeah, huh, huh, no. A man is humble. A man is somebody who teaches, who, who draws. You know what a man does, a father? A father comes and brings people with them and says, let me show you how to do this. You see, and us as men and us as fathers, women, you can close your ears to this. Us as men and us as fathers, we need to bring our children with us and show them what it's like to be a servant of Christ. To show them the importance of what it means to come to church, to be here. Your kids will fight you, I promise you. Right? They would rather play Xbox than come to church. Right? Right? I mean, who doesn't want to go and play Madden? Or whatever game you're playing now. For me, I'd... Never mind. <laughs> Let me just tell you. I'm really good with fake guns, okay? <laughs> but when we begin to bring them with us, and lead the way. See, when men begin to lead, what happens is there becomes honor in the home. There becomes trust. There's an establishment of leadership. I'm not, I'm not against women. Hear what I'm saying. Hear my heart on this, okay? But if you are in a home today, men, and you have children, I want to encourage you to come to the next place in your fatherhood. See, what fathers do, now we're coming back to the spiritual meaning of this verse because it just doesn't talk about guys, it's actually all of us. Paul's addressing men and women, right, in this verse. And what, 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 what that really means is, 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 is when, you, when you have 
somebody that you're bringing with you, you just don't teach them how to use the hammer and the nail. You actually teach them how to use the hammer and the nail. Then you hand them the hammer and the nail. And then you're with them when they make those mistakes. You're with them when, you, when, when they hit themselves. You're with them when they almost cause a fire because of the spark like I did. When my dad was teaching me how to use a hammer and nail, I remember, you gotta know me, right? I don't have, I don't have a 10, I have an 11. And we go from zero to 11 really fast, okay? So dad gives me that hammer, that nail, and I go, ah, ah, and I'm just like banging that thing, right? Sparks are flying everywhere, everywhere. And my dad goes, no, 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 hey, tap, 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 tap. Just little taps, just little taps. Okay, dad, yeah, I know better than you because this is my first time and this is your building time. Trust me, I know what I'm doing. <gasps> Pow, sparks, boom, sparks. See, a dad is patient, a dad is loving, a father is kind, he's, he's, he's long-suffering, he's full of mercy and he brings those people, he brings those kids with him and begins to nurture them and take care of them and show them what it's like. So let me encourage you, fathers, this applies to you people who are discipling other people because that's what this talks about. It's not about just teaching them what you know in the word. It's about teaching them and showing them to bring them with you. God is raising up. I hear the Lord say, I am raising up fathers in this generation. We are not gonna allow the culture to dictate to us what a father is. We're gonna move with him. The second thing I believe that God is doing is that he's moving in a spirit of humility. Globally, the church globally, there's humility. The Bible says in verse 18, now some of you become arrogant, puffed up, as though I were not coming to you. I wanna encourage you today that we need to be careful not to become arrogant nor puffed up in our belief. Not to become arrogant, prideful, in how we handle ourselves. You can tell when you're becoming prideful when you say things like this, well, at least we're not sinners. At least we don't, at least we're, we don't do that. Jeez, that's crazy, right? At least we don't do that. Just little bits of arrogance begin to settle in your heart, right? Little bits of spiritual pride begin to take place. You find it, especially when it comes to the political system, when we say things like this, well, gosh, thank God I'm not a Democrat. <laughs> or thank God I'm not a Republican. Thank God I'm not a fill in the blank. You do realize that God is neither Republican or Democrat. You do realize that, right? No, he operates in a whole nother system. And that's called the kingdom. He is the king of kings. Right? He is the Lord of Lords. Okay? He is the one that we look to. And when we align ourselves with the political spirit, then we quickly become arrogant in our beliefs. We quickly become arrogant and prideful by the things that we stand up for or what we don't stand up for. Okay? Now listen, I'm not saying that it's not important. I'm not saying that we shouldn't. I'm not saying that we can't. I think we need to do all those things, be a voice piece, be a mouthpiece for the kingdom of God in righteousness and in truth. Hallelujah, amen. Okay? But when it comes down to it, if our 
lives do not lead and are led by love, then we are nothing. We're nothing. I didn't say it, your Bible said in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Then we're nothing. See, that political spirit is tricky because you feel righteous for what you believe in, but yet when you set yourself up against another ideology or another somebody else, Another belief, when you set yourself up against that, then all of a sudden you've fallen to the place of agreement and alignment with the political spirit and you don't even know it yet. And we all fall into this. Come on, somebody. Right? It's easy. But you know what's even easier than that? Is a thing called the religious spirit. Because the religious spirit and the political spirit smell awfully a lot alike. See, when you are in alignment with the religious spirit, you say things like this. You say things like, well, that group of people, they don't get it like we do. We understand way more than they do. We understand. Man, we have more of the Holy Spirit than anybody else in this whole region. We got spirit, yes we do. We got spirit, how about you? We set up ourselves against the people of God. Listen, they may not believe the same things you do, but make no mistake about it, they still are a child of God. We say things like this. We really dive into the presence of God. Man, we swim in the deep waters of heaven. I'm talking about the charismatics now, okay? This, this is the stream that I fall into. These Pentecostal people like me, should about a Hyundai, speaking tongues, holy people, right? We say things like, man, we really dive in. Man, no one else gets it like we do. And we set ourselves up against other people and we don't even know that we are agreeing with an arrogant spiritual pride. And it's really tricky to fall into. It's really not tricky, it's really easy to set ourselves up in that place because we all wanna be close to God. The disciples did it like this. Well, who's gonna be sitting at the right hand of the Father, me or you? You guys with me, that story in the Bible? Right? Who's, 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 gonna, be, who's gonna be sitting there, you, me? And they started having this argument, Jesus is like, man, hey, knuckleheads, oh, you of little faith is what he said. Why are you guys arguing about such little things? And it's unfortunate that across America and across our globe, that we argue about things that don't matter in the kingdom. It don't matter in the kingdom. See, if we align ourselves with that, we've done with exactly what the political spirit does, and that set up its, itself up. Anything that is not led by love is not liberty. And if it's not liberty, that means the spirit of God is not there. Because your Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. See, if there's anything that I love most about Jesus was that he never went around and flaunted what he had or what he knew. He served those who he came in contact with, whether they were a believer, a non-believer, or even those Pharisees. His desire, his main desire, was to always point people to the Father, not even to himself, but to point people to the Father. And Christians... We need to stop bashing and criticizing each other for what we know or what we don't know and begin to see 
through all this mess and see Jesus in us. I will admit something to you and I wanna publicly say this to you and repent. That I, at times, have fallen into the religious spirit. I have set myself up against other believers. And let me tell you, that's not a light thing to say. But if we truly wanna be healed, the Bible says to confess your sins to one another. So today, I confess to you that I fall into that category. I have fallen into that category at times in my life. And I want you to know that as your pastor, we're gonna move forward. We're gonna lead by love. Amen. And I encourage you to lead by love. I read this quote by Chris Vallotton. And you can play some music back there because I'm wrapping up. Listen to this podcast while I was fishing. It's the best time to be with Jesus is when you're fishing. And it said, we cannot be humbled by accident. We must purpose in our hearts never to exalt ourselves higher than we ought. Humility is an issue of the heart. Chris Vallotton. The last thing is this. I believe that God is moving us, the church globally, into a movement of power. The Bible says, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20, for the kingdom of God is not a words, but in power. We are seeing in the church across America and the world, God move in power. Power for what? Power to forgive and release the captives free. I don't know about you, but today it was powerful. No, just four of you? Great. I'll take four. It don't matter. <laughs> God is moving in power to release and forgive the captives. The power to heal and raise the dead. Let me encourage you with something. We will see the day in La Crosse County when the dead literally are raised back to life. Here's why I believe that. Because Jesus told us we can do it. power to move in encouraging prophetic words. But not just prophetic words, but prophetic words that transform lives. That's you. You get to move in those. See, I was going to go into how Jesus looks at us as disciples. I'll save that for another time. Because I'm running out of time. It's really good though. So come back and hear that sometime. No, no, I can't. There's kids that need to be fed. <laughs> See, God, Jesus himself, when he was dead, buried, resurrected, and then he says, same spirit raised Christ from the dead now lives inside of you. But before he went to be with the Father in heaven forever, he was on the mount and he said these words. You can find them in Matthew and Mark. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they're, both, they're all called the Great Commission. And, he's, and, and, and each book has a different kind of description of what took place, which is beautiful in my, my opinion. But Jesus is up there and he says, okay, everybody, listen, before I go, I want you to do the same things that I did. 
This is what he told the disciples and everyone waiting to see him go. He says, I want you to do the same things that I did because I believe that you can. If I didn't believe that you could do this, I wouldn't be saying this to you. He would have just said, okay, game's over. Make it till you get to heaven, guys. He would say, okay, do the best you can, everybody. All right? No, he didn't say that, but what he said was this. He says, whatever I have given to you, now go and give freely. Raise the dead, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, baptize people, make disciples of all nations. He said, now, these are the things that you can do because I did them, I think you can do them too. So I empower you to go and do them. And in the global church today, we are seeing God move in power. I just read, I just heard a story yesterday in Switzerland of all places where a person was dead, confirmed, in a morgue, in the ice chamber. <laughs> right? Whatever you want to call those things. The doctor who confirmed him dead, the Lord woke him up in a dream and said, you need to go pray for him to come back to life. So he went to the morgue four days later, went there and said, open him up, let's pray. Jesus' name, come, I mean, how do you pray for a dead person, right? Boom, came back to life. It's amazing, now listen. I, I know, I know, just by, because people are people, that we go, yeah, yeah, I don't know about that. I don't know about you, but I want to err on the side of the things that Jesus said I can do, not question what he told me that I can do. Right? I know it's a little unbelievable, but greater is he who's in me than he that is in this world. God can do all things. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. God is the God of the impossible. I believe it with all of my heart. And if he said I can do it, guess what? I can do it. If he said, you can do it, guess what? You can do it. But pastor, I don't know enough. Well, guess what? You don't have to know enough. You just got to believe. You just have to believe. So in conclusion, the church is coming together in unity globally. The church is moving in power. The church is not backing down. We literally are in the greatest comeback in the history of the church. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thanks so much for the day. We love you. We bless you. We honor you. Have your way today, Jesus. Just begin to move in our hearts and our lives. Holy Spirit, we believe that you're going to do a mighty work and continue to do a mighty work in us. God, help us not just to be inspired today, but Lord, let us get the revelation, the planted seed of your word to go and not just learn, but to go and be because that's what you've called us to do. Father, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen.